journey. And like the whole thing about the habits is they're they're really mental habits that inform how we think, how we look mm. at the world, how we yeah. perceive our place in the world, our value, if we belong or not, like what we're gonna do next, stuff like that. And you know, like look, we've all met the person that they've got the woe is me attitude, everything's always wrong, my life is falling apart, I suck, I'm so fat, and they're just busy scrolling through social media, reading about how others live their lives, and they're just busy dreaming about what their life could be instead of actually doing something about it. Eeyore. Then you know the other person, which um, this person is living their dreams, they're kind, they're compassionate, they're successful, everything comes easy, they probably have more money than you, like whatever. And this person has it all figured out, right? The only difference between these two people is their mental habits in their relationship with themselves and with the rest yes. of the world. A lot of the work that I do is actually with executives and with leaders to transform themselves to ultimately transform the company because when you actually become a better human, you become a better leader. When you become Absolutely. a better person that is easily, as a default, kind to yourself, gosh, it's so much easier to give others grace and kindness when they yes. really need it, when you're leading them. Welcome to the Impact Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Cartavera, the leadership development ecosystem that helps you grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. This is episode 63, and our special guest is Laura Benedetto. She's coming to us from Maui, Hawaii. The title of today's program is Developing the Six Habits That Will Help You Bring Your Dreams to Life. Now, Laura has written a book. She's the number one best-selling author of the book, The Six Habits, which teaches people how to create the life of your dreams without sacrificing what you love. And she's going to talk today about those six habits about self-kindness, about self-acceptance, about living life through the lens of gratitude, about how presence is what allows us to experience pleasure and enjoyment and growth in our life. She's going to talk about self-goodness, which is really about self-management of your energy. And she's going to talk about habit number six, intention, getting ultra clear with purpose. Laura has some incredible insights, not only into these habits, that can help you live a life a different way, but exactly what that work looks like to get you to fully live and embrace those habits that will bring you the life of your dreams. Welcome to the Impact Leadership Podcast, where we explore leadership, business, and personal growth to help you grow your business and live a richer life. We're your hosts, Jeff Dishwitz and Craig Matthews. We believe that leaders have to put their people first. And if you don't have time to grow your people, then you're not leading. Get ready for conversations that will challenge your thinking and help you transform your leadership and your business. Welcome to your bigger business and bigger life. We are back here for the Impact Leadership Podcast, Craig and I, and we have a guest coming from a very far distance. We have Laura Benedetto coming with us from Hawaii, from Maui, the island of Maui. And Laura's here today. She's got a fantastic background. And what I love about it is, and you'll hear this story is, it is not all peaches and cream. She's <laughs> not the person who's going to come in and say the world is all roses and everything always works out in the moment. She's had ups and downs and some, some you know, it's a roller coaster of life and entrepreneurship, which is the reality of it. So we're going to talk today with Laura. She's the author, number one best-selling author of a book called The Six Habits, 
I know we'll talk about that today. She's a life mastery coach. She teaches people how to create the life of your dreams without sacrificing what you love. She also is the founder and CEO of a company called Vision Advertising. She started when she was 19 that has helped hundreds of entrepreneurs build and grow profitable enterprises entirely on their terms. So welcome, Laura. Welcome. Hi, it is so awesome to chat with you guys. Yeah, so good to have you. And I love that you can be far away from us and yet still in the United States. I know. Isn't that crazy? Like, in some respects, I actually feel like I'm in a totally different country sometimes with just like yeah. American isms. Um, <laughs> you know, there's some part that's like vaguely American. Um, but one thing that's very distinctly not American, I think, is the fact that the folks at the RMV are really nice. I'm not used to that. So it's not the Department of Motor Vehicles, it's the what? Registry of Motor Vehicles. Registry like, of Motor Vehicles, you okay. Go there? Oh my God, it's like they just sprinkled aloha liberally on the <laughs> guys. Guys, they're on time. Wow. They're nice to you. They're helpful. It's like, where the hell did I move to? <laughs> I don't understand. What have you done with America? I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, Laura, give us a little bit of the story that brought you where you are today. Sure. So, um, here is the brief, hopefully not boring version. Um, so, I am just an average kid that grew up in small town, got picked on as a kid, grew up to um, just try to have some jobs, decided the jobs were not for me. And I decided to start a business at 19, having zero clue what I was doing, but a <laughs> lot of courage um, and determination not to work for the man anymore. Um, <clears throat> so I did that and uh, found myself in an abusive relationship. That sucked, don't recommend. Um, mm. So left the abusive relationship uh, continued on with my company and um, <clears throat> I was able to develop a really good business over a number of years. Um, and it took some time and I fell on my face more times than I can even count at this point. Um, but somehow I managed to get it right and retire at 37. Um, the only thing that I had missed is that all those years that um, I had been building um, a life and all this other stuff, I was doing it all in the pursuit of happiness. So I acquired the stuff, the accomplishments, all the things. Yep, happiness is the one thing I never found. So <laughs> I decided to kind of figure out, well, what is that about? Okay, clearly I went off the rails here somewhere and um, just started doing this crazy little project and it turned into The Six Habits. Wow. Okay, so The Six Habits is your book, right? Yes. Okay. It's a book. It's a 90-day program. It's a lifestyle. It's a coaching framework. It's an enterprise product. It's, it's a lot of things, but more than anything, it's, um, it's basically the foundation for an incredibly happy, uh, prosperous life, um, regardless of what you're dreaming of. Hmm. So basically, Laura, you live the American dream, which is become business successful, but be miserable in your life. The American I don't know nightmare. that we say we want that, but that, that is more reality of what a dream has been in America for the last number of decades. I know it has been, as I, since I've been in the workforce, people who are incredibly business successful and their lives are a train wreck. Isn't that the dream? Hmm. I mean, if that's what we're calling the dream, then my <laughs> God, am I a shining success. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's the American nightmare. Yay, 
hashtag winning. I'm so excited. Um, you know what? I just, I didn't get the memo that you don't actually have to set yourself on fire to build the life of your dreams uh, until later. Um, I didn't get the memo that you don't need to sell your soul to be successful, that you don't have to be afraid of things. Like I figured out so much ever since, um, 2018 when I had this massive like shift within myself. Um, mm. basically the shift was just like, are you kidding me? I get to the finish line and I have all the toys. Why am I such a miserable wiener? <laughs> like what is going on here? <laughs> and, um, yeah, guys, I was really pissed. So being the entrepreneur that I am, I just wanted to do something about it. Cause yeah, it doesn't have to be this way. And we're largely sold a bill of goods. Like when we look at magazine covers and we get like lots of business mentors and we read books like hustle, grind, work, you know, every hour of every day. And you know, it's he who works the longest. Mm, no, it's actually he who works the most efficiently. Um, it's not the amount of hours that you work. It's what you do with them. And I just always blindly accepted stuff and, oh, you have to look this way. And yeah, oh, you have to have the fancy card. Oh, you got to have this wardrobe. Oh, you got to have all the blah, 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 whatever. It doesn't even matter. And it's all a big fat stinking lie. Um, yes. Guys, I burnt my ass out. I just did. It just was not fun. I did recover. Um, <laughs> well, that's the thing about um, leadership is um, sometimes we actually require receiving leadership from others and there wasn't any to be found. I was like, Oh, fine. I'll wow. do it. So, um, I wanted to figure out exactly like, okay, well, if, um, if all the stuff and all the things were not actually it, then what is it? Hmm. And you know, how can I actually, um, create this and just started this crazy research project where I was, um, really on a mission to find out what it was. And I was observing human behavior. Um, me being one of the humans and um, had some theories emerge. And uh, I was like, all right, well, uh, let's try. Let's see what happens. So I started doing a lot of experimenting on myself, um, my friends and family. I treated those that I love like lab rats. <laughs> um, I don't know why they put up with me, but I'm so glad they do. I was like, hey, can I stick you under a microscope? That'll be fun. Um, so we... Uh, learned a lot of things and turns out my theory that all of the things that we do, like let's say, you know, exercise, exercise will not make you happy. It won't, it'll give you serotonin, it'll boost, but it's just gonna give you a temporary emotional high, but then it's gonna give you like a predictable low afterwards. So then we end up chasing this high cyclically for basically the rest of our lives, which is what I did for years. So I exercise and then other people exercise. What's the difference? It's, it's not what you do, it's who's doing it right? Who are you constitutionally? And turns out I was kind of like a toxic waste site inside because I'd never actually added anything good or mm. like positive, or I didn't like do anything to make me be the person that would get benefit from doing something like exercising. Mm. So I didn't have the fertile ground for anything to grow and to be uh, beneficial to me. So once I realized, oh, oh, it's, it's actually not the things that we do, like succeed or not succeed. It's, it's not, you know, having wine or not having wine or smoke cigarettes or not smoke cigarettes. These are not like, it's not the, the habits themselves. It's, it's, it's why we do these things. If you love yourself, your exercise will come from a different place mm. and it will actually do something for you. If you chase success because of the sheer joy of it and you are a happy person first, 
it just starts being really fun and easy and whatever. But if you're constantly just in this negative cesspool of yeah. um, negative mental habits, it doesn't matter what your actions are. It will always feel like crap and you can't hmm. be happy. And that was, that was my theory. I tested it, proved it, had to make, had to make a few tweaks that, uh, regarding the execution of how to actually acquire the habits. But I was right. The, um, the shift from understanding that things like kindness, acceptance, gratitude, presence, goodness, and intention are just, you know, nice words into, oh God, these are revelatory concepts that if I want to have happiness, I actually, I need these things as core thought patterns, not that would be nice. Yeah. Wow. So good. I'm, I'm curious, Laura, one thing that flashed in my head as you were talking is so many people have been taught that the path to change is fake it till you make it. And I personally am not a big fan of that because just what you described, I'm out there faking it. Well, when does it become authentic and real if all I'm doing is faking it? Because faking doesn't get me to authentic. So I love the fact yeah. that you're t you, you get at the why. Why am I engaging in these behaviors? Because if I can get to the why, I can actually create the shift. Yep. It's also the intent that you're, do, you know, you're going to do something with. Let's say, um, uh, you know, one of the habits is kindness. I, I just rattled off the six there a second ago, but like, the first habit is kindness, right? Let's say you're, you're really, really remarkably unkind to yourself. It, in a way, you kind of have to fake it till you make it, but you have to deeply believe in what you're doing. Like if you're just going to be like, okay, well, yay, go me, I can do it. <laughs> you're not setting yourself up for success. Like you have to genuinely believe it. I mean- you guys are old enough. You're going to understand the reference like Stuart Smalley. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And gosh, darn it. People like me. Like, <laughs> remember that from Saturday Night Live? Yeah. Or am I the only one in the room that actually? No, no, that? we got it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you um, like you have to deeply believe what you're saying. Like you can't just be like, I'm grateful for stuff. Yeah. It's not going to work. You have to deeply find it. And it's going to be awkward. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to feel really icky and uncomfortable and weird. But if your heart is in the right place where you, you're willing to try it and let it be weird, <laughs> then you will be able to actually acquire it. And at some point, it will stop feeling weird. And at some point, you won't have to think about it. And it will, be, it will become a comfortable, easy habit. That's the thing. The book is the six habits. It's not the six epiphanies or the six nice to haves. It's six habits. <laughs> and these are things that you don't think about, yeah. you know, and they're unconscious things that you just do. It's like, guys, can I just admit it took me like six months to acquire the habit of flossing six months. Right. Because I didn't really want to. But then once my dentist said to me, Oh, looks like you're getting a tiny cavity. Crap. Now I really want to. So now I'm a flosser. <laughs> right. Well, I love this quote by F.M. Alexander. He says, people do not decide their futures. They decide their habits and their habits decide their futures. Amen. Should have used mm -hmm. it in my book. <laughs> <laughs> so, Laura, you said you mentioned them. I want to make sure we have them for context. So list for us the habits and then we'll dig into them. What are the six? Absolutely. I'll, um, I'll briefly uh, describe them too for you. So habit number one is kindness, which is the way we treat ourselves. And this is the actions, thoughts, and deeds of um, love from ourselves to ourselves. Mm. Habit number two is acceptance. Acceptance is unconditional love that we have for ourselves, um, by ourselves. And this includes respect and um, 
our general feelings of um, worthiness and appreciation. Um, habit mm. number three is gratitude, which is very much the lens through which we look at all of life. Yeah. Um, and it is one that colors possibility and how we view Absolutely. what's going on. And it just, honestly, if we have a perspective shift into gratitude, problems suck less and we're just able to manifest greater things. Um, yep. Habit number four is presence. Presence is mm. kind of what it sounds like. It's choosing this moment and it's being very like into this moment, not worrying about yesterday, tomorrow, whatever. Um, but presence really informs our ability to derive massive pleasure and enjoyment out of what we're um, experience, experiencing. Um, habit number five is goodness. Goodness is the habit of energy. It's, it's the careful energy management of um, our valuable resources of how much can I take on and can I really give this to this person right now? Do I need boundaries? Stuff like that. It's, it's making sure we add loads of good and subtract um, all the negative. The final habit is intention, which is getting mm. really ultra clear around purpose and where it's where we get our drive from. It's where mm. we get our motivation and our desire to even do anything. It's intention is the processing of our desires and all of the logistics therein. So those are the six habits, kindness, acceptance, gratitude, presence, goodness, and intention with what they do. Wow. So good. Well, I love that you start off with kindness. And, and I think a lot of people would hear that. I'm glad you clarified their first response is, well, I'm kind to everybody. Uh, not the question. The question is, are you kind to yourself? Because I know a lot of people who are very kind to others, but they are not kind to themselves. Right. Now, I was going to say, oftentimes people are remarkably unkind to themselves. Yep. Um, and at the same time, very kind to others because of a very, very poor level of acceptance. Um, mm. I don't accept myself. I don't feel worthy. So I owe it to others to be kind to them. And mm. I don't owe it to myself and I don't deserve it from myself. Mm. Um, so you know what? This really just leads me into a valuable point that needs to be made. All of these habits work together. They work in harmony. If you unconditionally love yourself, it's so easy to be kind to yourself. If you're kind to yourself, you're so easy to be a rock star with intention. And if you're a rock star <laughs> with intention, it's like so much easier to be grateful and so on. You see what I'm saying? Yep. Absolutely. I'm curious, does your, does your book talk about what unconditional love looks like? Because I actually had a conversation last night with a friend. We were talking about, she's getting out of a relationship and she's struggling with the breakup. And I said, well, I've learned to understand the difference between unconditional love and unconditional relationship in that I can unconditionally love someone, including myself, but I can choose not to be with them and set up boundaries. And her response was, yeah, I don't, I don't buy that whole thing, unconditional anything. And I meet a lot of people who just think that's bogus, that there's no such thing as unconditional love. So how do you teach people that something exists so that they can then embrace it. Fair point. It is talked about in the book. Um, the thing about unconditional love is I actually kind of like agree with your friend. I don't think it's possible to unconditionally love another human, but it is possible to unconditionally love yourself. Um, you're, you're kind of stuck with you till your last breath. So um, it's not like you can be like, well, um, you need to you know, treat me this way or I won't love you. Like, you know, let's say, and this doesn't happen, but just to be clear, like 
um, let's say, um, you know, my mother or my father were horrifically abusive to me. Yeah, um, there's conditions on my love. You can't abuse me. Like, I'm not going to love you if you do this. Um, and the thing about unconditional love is oftentimes it comes wrapped in the container of other people's behavior mm. and what they do and the control of that other person. You can't control other people, but you can control yourself, even if you don't think you can. Therefore, <laughs> unconditional love um, of yourself by yourself is not only possible, it's almost, it's, it's a demand. It's something that we have to actually embrace and understand because yeah, I'm like, I, Laura DiBenedetto, I am stuck with me. It's going to be a much easier road if I choose to love myself on this journey oh, versus gosh, yes. I'm such a wiener. Oh, my friends are more successful than I am. Oh, I've got imposter syndrome. Am I good enough? Do I deserve to be doing a TED talk? Do I deserve to be an author? Do I? Yeah, girl. Yeah. Like it takes work. And that's where all the six habits actually are supportive. Like the other five habits, they really help you to cultivate acceptance. It's like, you know, when you learn about the six habits, it's not like a menu that you pick from. Ooh, that one looks good. I think I'll do that one. <laughs> no, 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 no. You, you master all of them sure. because they all work in harmony together. And, and you know what? Every single human is going to walk into these six habits and be like, oh, okay. Um, I'm good at some of these and I'm really terrible at others. Okay. So maybe you're terrible at acceptance and you haven't learned to unconditionally love yourself. Let's say that's your worst habit. Okay. Um, use the other ones to get you there. Hmm. Like they all help. Like my journey, I've always been a rock star with intention. I mean, I'm an entrepreneur that retired early. So I'd say that's fairly obvious. Um, I wasn't kind to myself at all, like at all. So I had a lot of work to do with kindness and a lot of the way that I was able to get there was practicing while it felt icky and weird repetition, try before you buy, you know, fake it till you make it some of that. Right. Um, but a lot of it was also living at the peak expression of the other habits and just noticing an organic improvement, which actually helped me to get better faster with kindness. I'm curious, Laura, does the book help people do the work? Because, for example, the, the example of um, acceptance, which is really about, you talked about worthiness in that. Most people will say to me, oh, I'm absolutely worthy of whatever I'm going after. But the outcome would say they don't really believe that. But consciously, and use the word unconscious early, consciously, they would say, absolutely, I'm worthy. But there's likely an unconscious loop of lack of worthiness or something less than. So does the book give them the tools to do that work to get it into the conscious level so they can actually create the habit? It does. I'm grateful that you asked this question because I want to talk about the way that it does. So I wrote this book actually because I developed a 90-day habit mastery program for myself first. And the book was a means to be able to share this with actually originally my friends because I wanted to give them this gift, right? Mm. Um, so in addition to being my guinea pigs, they were also the recipient of all of the results of my lab rat observations. So um, I wanted to not only get them to realize these are the habits to cultivate, but also how do we get you there? It all begins with self-awareness. So there's the book, but with every copy of the book, 
there are comprehensive workbooks available to help you to identify where you are now, know yourself, really get in touch with your exact steps needed and gain incredible self-awareness. So you'll actually understand, oh, I'm really great at this habit. Nope. mm -mm, This one's no bueno. Um, (laughs) This one's causing me lots of problems, blah, blah, blah. Like you, it's almost like, you know, the first rule of AA, you have to admit you have a problem, right? And you have to actually understand what the problem is. So the book comes with all these workbooks and tools, and it's all completely free for everyone that buys the book. You get to download those and actually do the work. So it's taking the six habits and putting it out in the field. It's giving you the, um, the tools. So instead of just theoretical knowledge, which honestly is what I was very uninterested in just as the user, Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to just be like, oh, these are nice to knows. No, I, I want to figure out how to cultivate these. And I have to first know myself, then I have to do something about it. The 90 day program helps people do something about it if they can't do it on their own. But the knowing about yourself and really figuring out where do you stand and what are you saying to yourself and how are you treating yourself now? And how is this not working for you? What are you winning? What are you losing? And actually unpacking it all is such a critical part of that journey that it was, um, almost a requirement for me to make sure that that came free with the book. Mm. If people don't have practical application of wisdom, the wisdom itself is really pointless. Yep. Well, especially in these areas, I, I agree yeah. a thousand percent. This is, I mean, this is the work. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. This is the work. And, and I get, you know, when you said at the beginning, you said you wonder what it was and you found the it. I thought, awesome. We have someone who has the it. <laughs> And one thing. I agree with you. This is the it. This is the work. And yeah. it starts with me. It's always started with me. I just didn't realize that until the last 10 years. <laughs> right. I, I wish I had figured it out 10 years ago. I only figured it out two years ago in 2018. And um, yeah, it does start with us. And, you know, like we were talking about earlier, like I had got all the things and won all the prizes and had all the accomplishments. I mean, guys, I had been on like you know, Fox News and I had tons of awards and I had like retired early and it felt like, meh, I didn't care, you know, and it has no reflection on the incredible like privilege of these honors and all the great stuff. Like it's no reflection on that. It was, but it was every reflection on me. I hadn't done anything to make it so I could even receive the joy that came from these Mm, things. Wow. Yeah. So many people are so hard on themselves and I guess to me, the, the word grace comes to mind of just giving yeah. yourself the grace to, to exist, you know, to, to be yeah. who you are and understand that you're not perfect and we can work on those things. And, so. and here's the best part. You don't need to be perfect. Right. And when you, finally, when you finally get to a point of unconditional love, you realize, oh, I actually get to be my big bumbly mess of a self. And I'm still worthy of love and I still get to have fun and I still get to, you know, have people like me and I still get to like me and I don't need to be perfect. I don't even need to throw my old self in the fire. I can love her. I can love him. I can thank my old self for getting me to where I am now and just look at the whole picture with like, wow, that's pretty great. Well, I think there's perfection in that. You know, because ultimately there is no one standard. This is perfection, right? Yeah. So how, how would we ever define what is perfect? It's, it really comes back to, do we, do we love ourselves? Are we, are we taking care of the people around us? And are we doing what we're meant to do? Exactly. It's the perfection in the imperfection. It's like things, you know, things and people can be beautiful specifically because they're not perfect. Yes. You know, 
I mean, I mean, look at the clock behind me, Salvador Dali, like his work <laughs> was weird and strange and it was, yes. it was well loved because it broke molds and it was extremely different. Um, yeah. And I think by and large, culturally, you know, in the business world, we just, and, and also like just in leadership and just in life from the time that we're kids, we just have this incredible, strong, um, compelling pull to fit in, to conform, to be mm. average. <laughs> but I actually do not believe that we have any desire truly to be average. Right. You know, some of us just need permission to be like, yeah, actually, I don't need a fancy car. I'd be fine with like a 1982 Toyota, you know, <laughs> like, you know, I don't really need to be rich and I don't need these things. What I, re what I really want is time with my family. Okay. Mm -hmm. Or what I really want is I'd rather have a smaller company because it feels better versus I need to have a bigger company because I got something to prove. Yeah. I did that. I did that one. I mean, I, I chased having a bigger company because I had something to prove and I wanted to look like, oh, I'm so tough. I'm so accomplished. And maybe then other people will prove of me and they'll finally like me. Hmm. No. So and how of much course, of this, this was all baloney. I didn't like me. They didn't even care. Hmm. Wow. So how much of this, Laura, do you believe is about people understanding the drivers for the beliefs? I don't understand your question. Can you restate? Yeah. Well, some people, if they're willing to take a look at themselves, will be honest and acknowledge they have beliefs about themselves. You know, they have worthiness doubts. I don't believe those are ever random. No. There's reasons they have those beliefs. Mm -hmm. They got someone told them that, or they were treated a certain way. They interpreted some, they may have interpreted a single event in their life to give them that message. So how important in the work do you believe that they understand that there was a source for this? It's not just who they are, at least to be able to, because to me, then I can let it go. Oh, this isn't who I am. This is something that I've taken on. Absolutely. No, I think you're, I think you're onto something. And now I understand your question. Thank you. Um, it, it's very important that there's actually a big part of the workbooks that I supply people with is um, there's lots of opportunities for self-inquiry, but it's really exploring where did it come from? Who put it there? Did you put it there? Why did you put it there? Um, and really examining all these different things versus just taking it at face value. Oh, I, I believe that success is evil, or I think money is bad, or I think that you know, being 10 pounds overweight will make me unlovable. Like, where did this come from? Like, who told you this? And, you know, I want to be really, really clear. There's so many wonderful self-help books out there. I ought to know. I read dozens of them um, and dozens and dozens, like good Lord, um, probably in the hundreds now. But one of the things that was always missing for me was a feeling of there's nothing wrong with me the way I am, but I can enhance these things. Mm. And a lot of the I hate saying it, you know, self-help world, um, exists on the belief that you need fixing. And <laughs> my approach with all of this is just being a pro pragmatic New Englander. I was like, mm, I'm kind of done with that. And I'm also done with a lot of false promises that don't actually deliver um, on giving me the result that I'm looking for. So I kind of built the six habits to be the last personal development book you'll ever need to rely on. Cause if you give yourself these core elements, you could read something like the four agreements and be like, wow, this is wonderful. I'm going to take this on from a place of self-love. You can read like rich dad, poor dad and be like, wow, these are amazing concepts. I'm so excited to take this on versus there's something wrong with me for thinking like poor dad. Um, mm. You know, like there's something wrong with me for not knowing the five love languages. I'm such a crappy spouse, blah, blah, blah. You can take these on from a place of joy and exuberance. Um, 
and whenever we're taking a look at the the origin of these things and th this is the part that i'm really want to bring home for you the work is not easy it's not pretty okay right. so you read the book it's a fairly easy read i generally recommend people read the book and you can either read it all in one go and then sit down and do all the homework or you sit down and give yourself a chapter a week and do the exercises that correspond with that particular chapter in that week and give yourself the week to sit with your uncomfortable feelings and sit with the awkwardness of, damn, this is worse than I thought. Yup. Aren't you glad you know about it? Like, I mean, we need to face ourselves and guys, that's a courageous journey. It's hard. You know, it's so much easier to go through when someone else says, Hey, you suck. I hate the way you're doing this. Although it hurts. What's worse is for us to look in the mirror and be like, I've done this to myself and I have no one to blame. Yeah. I actually have to own this and I have to powerfully choose to do something different. If I ever hope to feel or experience or have or be different. Yeah. Wow. I can definitely see where, so you, you were talking about the, the aspect of gratitude being the lens through which we see everything. And I can definitely see how that would be one of those starting points. Just being able to say, you know what, I appreciate that I'm not, you know, this, that, or the other. And then getting to the point of, hey, you know, I have this attribute and actually being able to, to see who you are in the midst of the cloud of, you know, our fears and un uncomfortableness. And yeah. from there, being able to start expanding our heart. Yeah. It, I mean... It's a journey. And like the whole thing about the habits is they're, they're really mental habits that inform how we think, how we mm. look at the world, how we yeah. perceive our place in the world, our value, if we belong or not, like what we're going to do next, stuff like that. And, you know, like, look, we've all met the person that they've got the woe is me attitude. Everything's always wrong. My life is falling apart. I suck. I'm so fat. And they're just busy scrolling through social media, reading about how others live their lives. And they're just busy dreaming about what their life could be instead of actually doing something about it. Eeyore. Then, you know, the other person, which um, this person is living their dreams. They're kind, they're compassionate, they're successful. Everything comes easy. They probably have more money than you, like whatever. And this person has it all figured out, right? The only difference between these two people is their mental habits in their relationship with themselves and with the rest yes. of the world. And the, the truth of these people is each of them exists inside of us mm -hmm. as a possibility for who we could be, the lives we could be living, the, you know, the, the expressions of our, you know, our deepest dreams. It's all a potential. And it's kind of like, you ever see that, like that old adage, it's like, you know, there's two wolves and whatever the one feed the wolf. Which one do you which feed? Do you want to, yeah. Like which one do you want to feed? Do you want to feed the one that's falling apart? Woe is me. Or do you want to feed the one that's like, I can do anything. Watch me go. Um, you know, we have a choice about what our thoughts are and yeah, in the beginning you do have to force it, but you have to believe in the forcing. It's interesting that you talk about that because I, one of my clients actually has bipolar and helps people deal with bipolar. And one of the things he says is when you're on a, on a manic episode, you are God, you feel like you can do anything. You're going to make some really stupid <laughs> decisions, but you feel like you can do anything. And then there's the pit and the pit is you can't do anything. Mm. And it's tough to, to even get up out of bed. And so it, it seems like that's in a lot of us, but it just seems to be more accentuated with something like bipolar. 
I want to just go ahead and preface my statement by saying, I'm not a psychiatrist and I don't know much about that. But what it seems like from an observational perspective, based on what I've studied and researched and what you just said, yeah, we probably all have an element of the bipolar potential within us for it could go horribly bad or horribly good within a person diagnosed as having bipolar disorder. It seems like they live at the extremes all the time and there is no middle ground that it seems like the rest of us that don't have bipolar tend to live in. And you know, yeah, they like my life. I wasn't completely bad. (laughs) I wasn't completely good. Um, you know, even though I've mastered the habits, um, the coronavirus still punched me in the face with big feelings. And I spent a couple of days crying my eyes out about watching, you know, the news and being in fear. But the difference is um, I bounced back so much faster. And it's like, I pulled myself out of the tailspin. It's like, mm, no, I don't choose this. That's a big Good. difference. And being able to powerfully still exist. Um, it's like, oh, well, I cried my life out. You know, um, I'm not, I'm not dead. Okay. Back to work. <laughs> There's the intentionality. Totally. Well, I appreciate you bringing up the wolf because I've heard that story many times and there was something missing in it for me. And what, what hit me as you were sharing, Laura, is it'd be easy to say, well, all I have to do is feed that wolf. Right. And it'll be good. But there's a reason I haven't fed that wolf. Mm-hmm. And I think to your point, it's hard and it's messy. The work is... So the way I would change that metaphor is to say, it is which wolf I feed, but first I might have to go into the shed with the other wolf to see what it has to teach me. Because there's yeah, something that wolf needs to teach profound. me. Absolutely. And then I can go feed the other wolf, but I'm going to keep feeding that wolf because there's a reason I feed that wolf. And I think that's, mm-hmm. we had a guest early on named uh, Michelle Villalobos who talked very openly about the work she's gone through in her life many of these habits she's acquired in her work. And I said, Michelle, why don't most people do the work? And she said, because it's work and it can get ugly and it can get messy. And frankly, it's painful. I don't want to go there because I don't, there's, I'm afraid to go into this space to do the work. And that's been my experience as well. Sometimes my work has been incredibly painful Mm -hmm. and it's beautiful on the other side, Mm -hmm. but I had to go into some dark places to do the work. I, perhaps not ironically, her last name, I think, means House of the Wolves. Oh, Villalobos? <laughs> yeah, you're, so. you're probably right. Um, there we so, go. I'll have to talk, call her. Um, talk to her about that. Wow. Right? Um, you're so right. I mean, yeah, people don't want to do the work. And, you know, I know this, um, a lot of the show has to do with leadership. So I really want to kind, kind of tie it back to that. Like, when we want to be better leaders, right? There's obviously a selfish motivation. Like we want to make more money. We want to get more out of our people. We want to have better revenues for our stockholders or so we can sell the company and have an exit strategy. Um, Sometimes it's because we just want to feel better about the work that we do. Mm. And we just don't want to be tired all the time. And, you know, whatever our selfish motivations are, that's a wonderful place to start, right? It's okay to be selfish because if that's what gets you started, great, take the win, just go with it, right? But then, yeah, it's, there has to be a sufficient reason for you to want to do it. So a lot of the work that I do is actually with executives and with leaders to transform themselves to ultimately transform the company. Because when you actually become a better human, you become a better leader. When you become a better person that is easily as a default kind to yourself, 
gosh, it's so much easier to give others grace and kindness when they yes. really need it, when you're leading them. You know, when, when you lead your team with, uh, or you lead your clients with gratitude, you show up differently, right? Mm -hmm. um, things just work better for you. The, the, the team, the corporate, the family leadership, whatever yeah. it is, like however you want to slice it, it just gets exponentially easier when you do the work on yourself. And why do we want to do the work, which can be icky? <laughs> um, well, we have to have sufficient reason to do it and actually believe that there are benefits there, which is why I just mentioned the stuff that I did. Like, what do we get out of this? Why should I sit in this emotional poopy diaper and sit with all my big feelings and do this gross work where I have to face myself? And like, I'm a 45 year old white male. I haven't lived with my mom in years, but I got to sit here and unpack my mommy issues. Yeah, buddy, yep. you do. Cause you're treating your female leaders like crap. Why are you yep. doing that? You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And it, you end up getting greater respect, greater money, greater success, greater um, like philanthropic value out of the things that you do when you just really decide it's worth your time and then do it. Yeah, I wow. love it. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. The Impact Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Cartavera. Cartavera is a leadership development ecosystem with training, coaching, resources, events, and a community to help you grow. At Cartavera, we believe that you can't grow a business bigger than you, that your company is limited by your growth. We blend personal growth with leadership, team, and business growth to give you a single place to grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. You can find out more at cartavera.com. Welcome back. Love that, Laura, man. You just made me smile. And that means we're, we've talked about the first three habits a little. I want to go to number four, which is, as Craig knows, my favorite. Uh, I, I think presence is the secret sauce. Uh, I love the six habits. If I had to pick one and said, you're going to go into a knife fight, knife fight with only one of these, <laughs> I'll take presence. <laughs> well, that one is the one that will keep you alive. <laughs> in a knife fight, but hmm, that's true. So talk yeah. about presence because I think presence is one of the most misunderstood concepts on the planet yeah. because for most people it's this, it has no meaning or it just means less distracted. I put my phone away. So now I'm present. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, no, I'm with you. Yeah, I'd love to talk about that. So, um, the, the thing about, um, presence is sometimes people think of it as mindfulness. You know, I remember when I struggled with my relationship with food for a long time. Um, sorry if you heard a, heard a big snore. My dog is near me and I don't snore like that. She does. Apologies. <laughs> um, so I just remember like, you know, talking to somebody about like my relationship with food and they're like, oh, you should eat more mindfully and you should be, you know, roll the flavors around your tongue. And I'm like, can't I just hork it down? Like that feels really good. Like I just want to shovel in all of the Ben and Jerry's, not some and take my time and let it melt. Meh. So it just didn't seem fun for me. Right. So the, the thing about presence is we have to just kind of understand what the concept is overall. And I appreciate you bringing it up because yeah, you're right. People do misunderstand it. I sure did for years. Like the way that it manifests in my life is when I'm talking to my mom on the phone, I make sure that I call her on video so I don't get distracted and want to play Candy Crush while she's talking. <laughs> like I really pay attention. 
guys, I have ADHD, okay? I got to come up with all the systems and strategies to prevent me from screwing me over, okay? Um, But like, it's also, if I'm going to watch TV or like a movie with my husband, I'll say to my husband, "Um, honey, I'm excited to watch a movie with you. Can I please request that both of us have our phones downstairs so we can actually just enjoy the movie and really be present with it? The thing about presence is it's all about pleasure, and enjoyment and also growth, right? Hmm. So hmm. pleasure and enjoyment comes from the good experiences, but what if you're truly present with something that sucks, like someone dying, right? Hmm. What if you're truly present with that? You grow as a person because you actually get to feel the full weight wow. of the, the trauma as it unfolds. You get to really observe it. You get to learn from it and you get to really experience it and emerge from it faster and better. And I'll give you a great example. It's very personal. My husband and I do not have children. We tried. Um, I had two miscarriages. The second Mm. one was much more further along, and it was very emotionally and physically painful. I chose to be present with what happened to me. Um, It was physically awful, emotionally awful. My husband also was present, and it's weird because he can be equally sucked into his smartphone as, you know, I can be, right? But we, we cried together. We, Mm. he held me, I held him and we mourned the loss of the dream of being parents and we mourned the loss of our unborn child and the, the, the little tiny person that would have been that we had already named. And, you know, the thing about choosing to be present with that is it hurt worse, right? But I didn't want to be hurting for eight months. I wanted to actually be, and this is definitely the business owner in me. I wanted to be efficient with my suffering and just kind of get it over with all in one go. I mean, I say this kind of tongue in cheek, but it's the truth. I wanted to just face it. So we talked and we sat with it and and he cried and I cried and we talked about everything. Mm. And like, as my body was like going through all of this trauma, I just like, I was just so clear about this is what I'm experiencing. And I, you know, I I did everything and he took care, you know, he took care of me the best he could. And we just went through it and I didn't try to numb the pain by watching TV. I sat mm. with it and I journaled and I'm like, God damn, this really sucks. I cried all of the tears and like buggers coming out of my face, like really, really crying and just letting oh. it suck. Most of the time when we go through something really crappy, like a miscarriage, losing a job, losing a marriage, we do anything to get away from the pain. Mm. Right? Yeah. But what happens when we choose the pain and we actually be like, no, nope, I, I can do this. I can do this pain and we choose it. We take it on and then we actually sit with it and experience it. Here's what happened. I am now one of the most strong, resilient people. And I will gladly joyfully talk to any woman, particularly a woman as a leader that has had to, had to hide her suffering, go back to work two days after she lost her child. Um, you want to talk about miscarriage? Girl, I got you. I will talk to you about this. I will hold your hand and we will deal with it and it's going to be okay. And because I went through this, I now made myself stronger for other people. My Mm. marriage got better. I chose my health. I chose powerfully. I don't want to try again because this was very painful and I don't think I want to experience um, one more setback like this. And also it forced me to realize why did this happen? Well, I had been destroying my body for years. Mm. So the presence allowed me to see that. So there's so many benefits in choosing the suck, right? And, and the thing about presence is we think about it and I largely write about it within the context of things that are good. Like pay attention to your mom, put your damn smartphone mm. down, just watch the damn movie, watch the sunset instead of taking pictures of it, 
I live in Maui. You'd be surprised how many tourists do not watch sunsets. They just yeah. take pictures of them. It's like, actually, you'd remember it better if you just watched it the first time. Right. Um, but we talk about things with presence within the context of positivity. But I actually think that there's so much more value in it when we talk about presence within the context of negativity. There will be mm. a second edition of this book. Just because I wrote this, I finished um, the publishing journey in like February. Oh my God, that's like giving birth to a rhinoceros through your nostrils. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> it's wow. But I'm so excited to release like the second edition of this and really like go in even deeper and provide even more tools like down the road. So is that one going to be titled Embrace the Suck? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> It'll be like the six habits post-coronavirus edition. <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that there's a lot of value here in both the good and the bad. And, yeah. you know, look, the world is currently on fire. I've never seen people hate each other more, live in more fear. And the political divide and like people that used to get along. Oh, you're voting for that guy. I can't be friends with you. Why? Right. And like people have lost so much joy yeah. and they've succumbed to so much fear leaders included. Yep. And it is my hope to be able to change that, but it comes from within ourselves. Hmm. You know, like if we can choose to be present with what's good, like, my husband, I'll be totally honest with you. If you were on the show with me right now, he'd be the first one to admit he has been having a very hard time with all of this. While I've worked more because of everything going on in the world, he lost his company that he just started. He started mm. a tourism company on Maui, but when there's no tourists, what are you going to do? So wow. he's been losing his mind. And one of the things that's been really helping, I mean, being that he's married to the author of The Six Habits, that's certainly <laughs> helped. Um, there's got to be perks, right? But yeah. When, whenever he's like in a tailspin, I will say these words to him and feel free to steal him. It's okay that the world is on fire. It's okay that you lost your job. It's okay that the election is a hot steaming mess. It's okay because this moment is a good one. Let's not ruin mm. it. You know, this moment is a good one. Just those simple words. Choosing, you know what? This is a good one. I'm healthy. I've got my wife. I've got my pets. I got beautiful home and I live in a nice place and I don't like the way things are manifesting, but bills are paid and we got food on the table. This moment is a good one. Hmm. Wow. Well, I think you said a lot of amazing things there, Laura. And yes. the thing, the big takeaway for me is the importance of shifting the lens around presence too, about what is good or bad. You know, we throw around those labels of good and bad and people like to say, well, it's easy to be present when things are going great because they're good. Well, they're unrelated. It's just, you know, my experience was similar to yours when I really got reinforced what presence meant is almost three years ago when my mom died mm. and I was, I was at her bedside when she died. And the moment she took the last breath, I was aware that I was experiencing intense, deep grief and intense, great joy, the exact same moment. And I cry. let them both and I, I let them both come because the, the grief was my, this person who I was, had been with, she'd been with me from day one till this day. She, she's my mom. But the joy was to the, I had the opportunity to witness the breath leaving her. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, that is so amazing that she just left. She just left this world. It was so simple, and there was a beauty in it and deep grief, and they coexisted. There was no good and bad. 
there was joy and grief. They, I didn't put labels on them. <laughs> they just were what they are. And that to me is a lot of what presence is not getting rid of the labels of what I think things are or what they mean. It's just okay, this. First of all, yes, you did just make me cry. I'm like sitting here trying to like quietly will my eyes to not leak feelings. Um, but that was so beautiful. And it, it really just sums it up nicely. You know, get rid of the value judgments. Let things be what they are. Look at the beauty that you got to experience in that moment because you chose the moment. Yep. God, that's such a powerful story. Seriously, my eyes are all like dewy and everything. I really like, I'm so touched by what you said. Thank you. We could spend four days on presence, but let's, uh, let's talk about goodness. That's the one that actually uh, I didn't have an immediate opinion of, like a preconceived notion. So I'd love to hear, tell us a little bit about more about God, goodness in the six habits. Sure. So goodness is one of those things where people don't safeguard their energy at all. Actually, the news, the election, and the whole oh world. Oh, my gosh. So true. Example. I mean, yeah, like, what are we doing? We're late, like many of us. Um, I don't have time to, even if I wanted to. Um, <laughs> many of us are, like, living in a state of, um, oh, this is what's happening in the election, and it's having a physical effect. We're sleeping less. Um, you know, we're stressed. We're feeling anxiety. We're like doom scrolling, you know, on our, on our news, like, Oh, bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news. And it's just, is, is there any good news? I mean, I, I'm just, yes. I, I don't watch the news because of that reason. As you far as the election goes. The yeah. I watched the debates, but that was worthless. So I think there's a lot of good news. I think this goes back to what value judgments I'm putting on it. Yeah. I think there's more conversations in this country that need to be have and they're, they're tent, there are nasty conversations, but they're happening because people are willing to speak up. And five years ago, they weren't speaking up. So to me, right. yeah, I wish it was more peaceful and calm and more, you know, uh, accepting of each other. But yeah. I love that there's more conversations that need to happen. I love, I love that there's more conversations, but I don't need to consume myself with the news's perspective on everything that's happening. Oh, I don't spend any time on the news. I was yeah. talking about labeling it good and bad. I don't, right, right. I don't use those words, as you know, Craig. Yeah. I've given up those words. I don't label anything good or bad. I appreciate that a lot. It just is. I, yeah. No, it just is. I mean, you know, <laughs> uh, you, you, you mentioned the question, like, is there good news? Like, yeah, there is, but you, you have to decide what's good for you and mm -hmm. you have to choose to add um, the energy, because it really is energy management, you know, and if you think Absolutely. about like energy, oh, I don't have the energy to stay up late working on this project. I don't have the energy to start a business. I don't have the energy to get out of bed early in the morning. Why? What are you doing to add energy? And what are you doing to subtract energy? When we constantly invest our energy into things that are actually quite draining, like worry, fear, whatever, around whatever the topic is. I don't care who you're voting for or against. It doesn't matter to me. Like, however you feel about it is informing how you live your life, right? So if you're all bunched up in a wad over what's going on, that's you robbing yourself of energy. It's not the news yep. robbing you of energy. It's you doing it, right? If you're fighting with your spouse, do you really need to belabor the points you're making or can you just choose the goodness and get to the happy place and just admit you've screwed up? Can you do that? Um, you know, the thing about um, good energy is so many of us have actually been socialized to believe that investing in our energy in a good way is selfish and wrong. 
Mm. Um, you know, and particularly women have been socialized to believe mm. that you don't do things that invest in you. You put your family first. You put your parents first. You put your children first. You put your spouse and your job and you, my dear, when everything is completely depleted, if there is a scrap left for you, you still shouldn't have it because you're a turd. Okay. And I'm sorry to put such a fine blunt wow. point on it. Women are socialized to believe these things. I was, I adamantly reject it. Um, but I've been socialized to believe this. Here's the crazy part. I'm still constantly getting lots of messaging across social media, which I hate with a searing passion, I hate social media. Um, I'm still getting some of this archaic messaging from my parents who mean well, but this is what they were raised with. Mm. Right. Um, and it's, I mean, my parents are pretty evolved, but they're also close to 80. So their views tend to be a little bit more dusty. It just is what it is. And they're not as like pro-female, but there's also a lot of young men that feel this way. Um, young men are socialized. Do not cry. Do not talk about your feelings. Suppress your feelings. Suppress your feelings. Suppress your feelings. Men are machines. Oh, and men are apparently always sexual, always turned on every minute of the day and ready to go and conquer any obstacle. Also a lie. So what we've done as a culture is we've actually socialized ourselves out of believing, no, actually taking care of yourself is more than just like that's, that phrase that has become almost offensive, self-care, we're going to go get manicures. No, self-care is a boundary. You're treating me like crap and I don't, yes. we're done here. So good. Right? Yeah. Right? Episode eight in the podcast is all about energy and managing energy and taking care of yourself. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I think if women were taught as little girls and men were taught as little boys, have your feelings, honor your feelings, listen to your body. And when you are feeling stress, show up in your body as your, your chest tightening because someone's saying something bad to you, do something about it. If you're feeling anxiety and you're not sleeping because you're watching too much news and you're doom scrolling on your phone, which I just heard about the other day, the phrase ever, like... <laughs> Stop it. Do something about it. If you're, you know, if you're feeling depleted and you can't even get to the gym because you're working too much, do something about it. Add the wow. good. Call your mom more. Like, you know, like sit down I mean, and read a book if that makes you happy. We have you know control I mean? over our lives? Oddly enough, yes. <laughs> but you have to sometimes take control. You do. And the reason why we have to take control is usually in response to years of us surrendering it. Yes, absolutely. It's not like anyone ever took it away from us. We just believe the socialization. I mean, the thing is, as children, our parents, our teachers, our grandparents, our aunts and uncles, they all want us to behave. When I was a little girl, I was told by well-meaning aunties, maybe, <laughs> um, children are better seen and not heard. Um, okay, so I was not allowed to be boisterous. I mean, too bad. I was a rebel, so I was yeah. <laughs> But like... <laughs> <laughs> you know, too bad for you. Sorry. I know you want quiet tranquility, not when I'm around. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, I was socialized to behave, to, you know, be polite, be pretty, make sure that I'm always skinny, that I, you know, that I go get a good job and I, you know, I work for somebody else. It's like, no, hmm. actually, I'm going to be very badly behaved. I'm going to be loud and boisterous. I'm going to probably swear like a trucker and I'm going to build companies and change the world. So awesome. She needs to meet Dave Rundell. <laughs> <laughs> okay, make it happen. Uh, the, uh, the thing about, all of this is I fell victim to trying to make others happy with me because it made me feel loved and I earned people's 
unconditional love, which is really wow. closing a thought loop here, right? Mm. We talked about unconditional love. No, others do not have unconditional love for us. And because of that, we conform ourselves to earn other wow. people's love. In that, as little children, we never get the friggin' memo that we actually don't need it. The only love we ever need is of ourselves of, you know, to ourselves, right? We need to wow. love ourselves unconditionally. When we get this memo, God, the liberty is unbelievable. You get to like what you genuinely like. You like to hate what you genuinely like. Like my mom, God bless her. She loves like history and family lineage. And you know what? For, for some time there, I'd be like, mm -hmm. wow, cool. Wow. Fascinating. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep great. Meanwhile, I wanted to carve my eyeballs out with a spoon. Like, I don't care. But when you truly love yourself, you actually have the courage to be like, yeah, mom, I love you. I, this is not my subject, but I'm excited that it's your subject. Can we talk about something that is more mutually interesting? And we feel bad, like when we don't accept ourselves for not being what others want us to be. But when yeah. we do accept ourselves, it's like, yeah, it turns out, um, I, I'm, I'm pretty good with me being not what you want. Wow. That is right? so good. So profound. Good stuff. Yeah. You, you have hit the ball out of the park, Laura. I, wow. I had a feeling, but I didn't know what was coming, but. And now it's more is, than a feeling. Yeah, this is, uh, <laughs> this is, uh, this is, this is to me the work. This is what yes. it's about. This is not dancing around the edges. This is not platitudes. Like you said, nice words. It's a, it's a systematic way with guides to do the work that needs to happen. Correct. Uh, so I love it. I, I look forward to learning more. I'm so grateful you joined us. Mm -hmm. I know that you just being here has changed some lives. You've already shifted some of my thinking. Uh, and I look forward to sharing this with the world. Yep. So as we wrap up, Laura, a couple things. Obviously, you have the book that came out this year. Is there anything else other than the book that you want to promote that's going on for you and your business? Absolutely. So um, first of all, if anyone would like to get a copy of the book, you can go to thesixhabits.com and you can get it there. It's also available on Amazon. But if you want a free chapter, you can go to my website, download it for free or the audio. Uh, chapter, which is cool. That's where you can also get the audiobook. But there is a 90 day habit mastery program. So, for those of us that like to actually get results from the things that we hear about, and these habits sounds more like, like, yeah, that'd be great. Like, whoa, dude, like if you're having a revelation listening to me, go get the free chapter, realize, yep, this is some amazing stuff, get the book, then do the exercises that come free with the book. The next linear step in the process for you will be the 90 day habit mastery program because learning about the habits, step one, two, figuring out where you are. That's, you know, the second one, the third is figuring out where you want to go. And then four is actual mastery work, which is what the 90 day habit mastery program is for. Hmm. So the other things that I am helping people with, and I'm so excited about these, like, oh my God, I am uh, really excited to be developing a coaching framework for the six habits that life coaches can put their practices and their um, passions on top of. Because the six oh, habits, wow. I don't care if you're a Reiki master or you're a fitness guru or whatever, these all can sit beautifully on top of the six habits. So I'm working with coaches that wish to offer this to their clients and really add lots of texture to what they're doing. And 
I'm working with business leaders that wish to become the most epic leaders they've ever been and actually <laughs> transform their companies from the inside, from the top down, from a place of heart and passion yes. and exemplary leadership. So you want to actually take your company of 500 people and have everybody excited to work for you, excited to come to work every day, help you make more money, consciously think of how to serve you. It must come from a place of love. And if you show up and give them the love first, they will give it back to you. But it be, yep. all begins with you. And that is the executive work that I'm doing. Wow, that sounds so amazing. We're going to put you in touch with a, a good friend of ours who is actually building a platform for coaches to connect coaches and clients. And awesome. that may be something that she may be able to help layer that in. Cool. Yeah, that's really cool. I think that uh, one of the things about coaches is that, you know, people with a gigantic heart and loads of skill decide to become coaches. And one of the things that's oftentimes missing is, well, how do I get clients? Mm -hmm. And that's a pretty important part. So that's yeah. part of the framework that I'm building is here's the habits. Oh, by the way, because I'm a sales ninja, let me teach you some sales tricks to actually help you get your client to see the pain that they're in. Awesome. Um, so they ask you to work with them versus you having to beg or chase because that's just gross and nobody wants to do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Right. We'll put all that in the show notes. You mentioned your website. Why don't you mention what is the website actually? It's thesixhabits.com, T-H-E-S-I-X, habits.com. Okay. Okay. And uh, what's the best way for people to connect with you other than the website? Well, since my name can be difficult for people to pronounce, spell, write out, read, anything, Di Benedetto, I think it's easy, but I've also had it for 40 years. Um, you can look me up on Instagram. I'm probably there and on Facebook more than any place else. Um, I always reply to all my emails. So if you love the book, you love this podcast, you want to shoot me a note, oh my God, this totally resonated, blah, blah, blah. Shoot me a note through my website. Hit me up on Instagram. Those you can find through the sixhabits.com. So if you look at the six habits as like a nifty little portal to find all things Laura, all things habit mastery, all things joyful, that would be a great place. Awesome. So we always wrap up every session, Laura, with a question. And the question I have for you is, you've shared so many amazing things. Yes. What's the one wisdom nugget you want to leave everybody with? Oh, man. We need to actually choose to do the work. And it's really like, it, this is really more of just like a reinforcement of an idea that we probably touched on several times. It's probably a summarizing point. Um, these are not cool ideas. These are not just neato thoughts or like, ah, oh, that would be nice. No, 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 no. These are the foundational elements for transformative leadership, joyful living, wealth, um, health, um, better sex, better love, better prosperity. These are the foundational everything. You don't want to be a doctor when you look at your life and be like, oh, let me treat all the symptoms. No, 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 no. You always want to find the root cause. And the root cause of joy and success and everything else is found in these mental habits. And the invitation is open to everybody, even stubborn people like myself. You have to actually accept that these are habits you must cultivate. Learn what the habits are, which we've just done, figure out where you are and then do the damn work. Gotcha. Love it. Thank yep. you, Laura. Thank you for bringing it all the way from Thank Hawaii. You. Yeah. And actually let's, let's kind of wrap up with that because one of the things that you talk about is living the life of your dreams and you moved to Hawaii. Yeah, I did. So it was you're living it. You're living I what am. you talk about. Um, 
I am. And you know what? I actually, I'm glad that you brought that up because I think that probably prior to moving here, I might've thought erroneously that moving to Hawaii will make me happy. (laughs) The truth is I moved to Hawaii because I became happy. Hawaii was the result. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. I mean, listen, leaving my mom 5,000 miles in the dust, that was very difficult. And it took a lot of courage and strength and, um, you know, core happiness within myself to decide I love my, myself enough to do this. I believe I can. I will make it work. And mm. this is something I deserve because I finally love me enough to take the leap out into the unknown and know there will be mm. a parachute waiting for me and sea turtles. <laughs> and sea turtles. <laughs> wow. Thank you so much for being here, Laura. Really enjoyed really it. Really a pleasure. I have enjoyed this conversation immensely. Thank you, Laura. If you like this podcast, you'll love the Cartavera Tribe. The Cartavera Tribe is a community of growth-committed leaders who want to connect, engage, and grow themselves, their people, and their businesses. Cartavera is a leadership development ecosystem with training, coaching, assessments, and events to challenge you and help you grow. And the Cartavera Tribe is a membership like none other. You'll get live access to Craig and Jeff where you can ask questions, as well as masterminds where you can get answers from other leaders who've already solved your greatest challenges. You'll have access to additional interviews and a variety of courses, tools, and resources to help you achieve your biggest goals. We have monthly game days where we have challenges and competitive games to help you grow your leadership capabilities. And you'll get a personal growth Sherpa who will guide you to help you reach your growth goals. To find out more, go to cartavera.com. That's C-A-R-D-I-V-E-R-A.com. See you on the inside. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.